Hello everyone, my name is Zachary Rodier and welcome to episode 3 of the Quarantine Hockey HQ podcast. We have a great show for you today. First up is our interview with Fox Sports Ohio's Dave Metzel, who is the ringside reporter and feature reporter uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, We sit down with him, talk about his job and uh, about the Blue Jackets and their goalie situation. And then later in the show, uh, we'll talk about some NHL news and about a few signings as well. Uh, We have a great show, like I said, and I hope you enjoy this great interview with Dave Metzl. Today, I'm happy to welcome the ringside reporter of the Columbus Blue Jackets on Fox Sports Ohio. This guest attended the University of Wisconsin-Eau Claire to receive his Bachelor of Science in Journalism and Speech. In 1994, he joined Columbus's NBC4 as their sports director, and later in 2010, today's guest joined Fox Sports Ohio as their ringside reporter, game host, and feature reporter. In addition to being at Fox Sports Ohio, today's guest has his own radio show on 610 WTVN, which is where I met him after my Day with the Cubs story. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Dave Metzel. Dave, thank you for coming on today. Zachary, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. So uh, the last time I saw you was actually during a Blue Jackets game uh, this year uh, when I was volunteering for the sled hockey team, and I met you last year during the Blue Jackets scrimmage after they won the first round. Uh, So it's good to see you again, even though under these circumstances. And how are you doing during these times? Uh, If the Blue Jackets uh, were in the playoffs right now, you'd be extremely busy in Columbus and in the other location. How are you spending your time? Well, uh, like a lot of hockey fans, uh, reading everything I can read and trying to keep up with all of the latest developments in terms of when the season might start again and you know, if they're going to have a regular season or if they're going to go right into the playoffs and if there's going to be a hub system, which, of course, a lot of people believe Columbus would be a part of. All of that information for me is going to kind of dictate how the rest of my summer goes. So that's uh, my number one one task right now. We've also done a a lot of shows. We've done, uh, I think, four or five, five different shows since the NHL paused its season, and those shows have you know, been in, you know, conversations with some of the Blue Jackets players like Cam Atkinson and Seth Jones. Uh, in some cases, they're just look backs on what we've done already this season, what the team has done already this season. So we're trying to stay as busy as we can. Yeah. But, you know, in every business, people are understanding that that, that busyness is a little bit different than it ever has been before. Yeah. And, uh, like you said, uh, in my podcast, I have been talking about uh, the hub cities and the potential of Columbus uh, being one of those cities because they have the ice house and right next to it and they have multiple locker rooms. And, uh, but the other talk is about potentially having a draft uh, in June. What are your thoughts on potentially having an NHL June draft, which we may have uh, the answer from this week or next week? Right. I know a lot of people want to see that draft happen in June. I personally do not want to see it happen in June. I want the season, whatever the season may bring, I want it to play out and then have the draft after that. And there's an important reason for that. Uh, The draft always includes some deals. There's always a trade and many times it's a big blockbuster trade. And I think it would be very awkward to try and have that draft in June and trade players who might not be done with their season yet. Uh, To me, it's, 
it's just awkward as, as can be to start having that conversation now before you've really determined what you're going to do with your season. Because imagine if the Blue Jackets were to pull off some sort of blockbuster deal in June and then in July, the season would resume. It would be so awkward. So I'm, I'm not a big fan of the plan the way they have it now. I understand the reasons behind it, but I would rather see uh, things play out in their natural order, I guess, even if it's, there's a little bit of a delay involved. Yeah, I understand that. But I also – I think they're also maybe talking about having no trades, like player trades at all, uh, which would also be very odd because that's right. like the essence of the draft. And if they want to do it earlier – they're doing it earlier to give the fans something, but there wouldn't be that excitement with the trades. Uh, but on the other hand, it could be the only opportunity for the Blue Jackets to have a top 16 uh, draft pick and then also be able to still make the playoffs because uh, the draft would be on point percentage. And then the uh, and then if they're still going to have regular season or do a, expand the playoffs, the Blue Jackets could also have a chance at that. Right. And, and I understand all of that for sure. But, you know, when you look at the NHL draft and compare it to the NFL draft, which just happened a couple of weeks ago, yeah. in the NFL draft, almost every first round player, and in a lot of cases, every first and second round player is familiar to college football fans. In the NHL draft, you might know the first couple of guys, maybe, you may, maybe, you know, five deep, but it's so much dependent on that big move, the big trade, the big deal, something that happens, some team moves up from the 12th position to the second position, something big. And, uh, you know, I just think you're, you're only getting about 60% of the draft if you uh, forego the opportunity for the deals and the trades that have become so customary with uh, NHL draft time. Yeah, because, uh, and we're going to get into this later, but Obviously, the Columbus Blue Jackets have signed two goaltenders, Jonas Corposalo and Elvis Merzlikens, to two years. And a lot of people are thinking maybe they're going to trade one of the goaltenders. And a lot of people thought that this summer, uh, maybe during the draft or closer to free agency, which we don't know when that's going to happen anymore, that could also uh, have been when. And now if they're going to move the draft that, uh, to June instead, until after the playoffs, that could also mess it up. Uh, but what are you thinking about the Blue Jackets and their goalie situation? Well, I, I think they're uh, certainly in a position of strength right now. Um, obviously, there was a lot of excitement about Elvis before last season began, and it took a while before that excitement actually manifested itself. It actually took the injury to Jonas Corposalo before we were able to see what kind of goaltender Elvis could be for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, prior to that time, we saw Corpy develop into not just a starting goaltender, but an all-star caliber starting goaltender, which was really exciting to see. And then, of course, the odd injury late in December, it opens the door for Elvis to go in and do what he did. You know, the game against the Florida Panthers uh, nationwide on New Year's Eve against Bob yeah. really opened a lot of people's eyes. And then he went on and had you know, four other shutouts, including uh, the, the one in, in Las Vegas, which was phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, so I guess a total of five shutouts. It was, just, it was just a phenomenal season the way it unfolded for the Blue Jackets goaltending tandem. Now, can they both be happy? Can they both be happy sharing time? Probably not. And that's why a lot of the speculation is that one of them will be traded. And that's where you get into, well, who, who would you trade? The guy who had a great 
uh, second half of the season or the guy who had an all-star season and came back, it's, it's really a tough call. I, I guess personality-wise, you'd say, well, look at what Elvis could do in terms of uh, the way his personality and the way he feels about Columbus and uh, the, the chance for him to really develop into an NHL star here. A lot of people believe that, but a lot of people believe also that Corpy has earned it having served as an understudy to Bob for so long, and now he comes mm-hmm. out and does the job that he does. It's, that's a tough call. I'm glad I'm not Yarmo in this situation, for sure. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, but back to the NHL season, uh, do you think that it will continue? And uh, like, what do you think will happen? Because obviously, even if it is a, a bubble scenario that would be in Columbus, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of the local broadcasters would – uh, be in the arenas and it may be the national uh, just the yeah, national broadcast uh, my, my personal feeling on it is I think what's going to happen is uh, they will not resume the regular season they'll not finish out the last 10 games of the regular season and here's why I believe that if you're the Detroit Red Wings or the LA Kings or the Ottawa Senators or the New Jersey Devils or a team that has no incentive to play why, why in the world would you go through the three week training camp and then go through the whatever uh, kind of sequestering there might have to be for teams and team personnel and media and all that kind of, why in the world would you put your organization through that if you know there's no chance of making the playoffs? And I think ultimately that school of thinking will win out. On the other hand, if you expand the playoffs a little bit to include 24 teams, as you mentioned, it makes more sense because, then you get the teams that would be in either way, either percentage points-wise or by points total. And the teams have a reason to get back and, and go through a training camp and go through all the things that I mentioned before because they'll have a shot at winning the Cup. So uh, I think that's a huge, uh, a huge incentive for teams that could get into this postseason scenario. And as for the TV side of it, yeah, I mean, I would love to be back at work. There's no question about it. I'd love to be doing my regular job, but I just don't know if my regular job is going to exist. Certainly not in this um, in this final closure to this season, whatever it may be. Maybe next year they'll have uh, they'll have that restored. But um, I, again, I just want hockey to come back in any yeah. way, shape, or form. And if I can get a little work out of the deal, Zachary, then I'll do it. Just... <laughs> yeah, and. Uh... But now to a different perspective here. Uh, let's talk about uh, your job specifically. Um, how did you know that you wanted to be a reporter and then uh, become a hockey reporter specifically? Well, I'll tell you what. Um, if you're speaking specifically about hockey, I was working at Channel 4 in uh, the late 90s when the franchise was awarded and all of the things that needed to have to come together for the franchise to begin play started to happen. The building of the arena, the naming of the team, uh, the you know the hiring of the staff, beginning with general manager Doug McClain and all those types of people. So I'm working at Channel 4, and I knew that they were going to hire a broadcast team, and I was asked to audition for that, and I was one of two people who auditioned. Myself and Jeff Hogan, who was at Channel 10, and Jeff Hogan got the job. Uh. So I had to bide my time. I had to bide my time from 2000 until 2010. I guess I left Channel 4 in 2004. So it was from 2004 to 2010 before I was finally able to be a part of the broadcast team. And, and now I kind of feel like I'm where I belong. You know, I, I grew up in Minnesota. I grew up as a NHL fan of the Minnesota North Stars. I grew up playing hockey on the lakes and the ponds up there in my backyard. And, 
uh, I just have hockey in my blood. So I wanted to be around the game, and I'm really happy I'm around the game now. That's why I wanted to come back. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great sport, and uh, it's cool how you became a hockey reporter uh, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, but take us uh, behind the scenes. Explain what uh, daily game day looks like. Uh, and uh, because you may actually have to be there before the players, and it's maybe a similar uh, ritual as they have. So take us through a, a game day. Right. Uh, a typical game day, there's, there's two typical game days. Number one is if they have a morning skate, and number two is if they don't have a morning skate. So well, let's go through uh, scenario number one. If the Blue Jackets have a morning skate, it's usually at 10.30 in the morning for home games and at 11.30 in the morning for away games. So let's take a home game, for example. Uh, if the Blue Jackets are skating at 10.30, John Tortorella generally meets the media around 10.15 or so. So that puts us in the media room listening to whatever Tort's thoughts may be on that particular game. And we ask him questions about his lineup, about players who may be injured, about the way the team has played in its most recent four or five or six games, uh, about why he has made decisions in the lineup that he has made, and try to get a feel for what's going to happen that night based on the decisions that Coach Tortorella and his coaching staff have made. And then, based on what he has told us, we will ask to speak to two or three, sometimes four players uh, in the locker room after they get done with morning skate. And the questions can be along the same lines. Uh, hey, Nick Polino, you, you've been on a hot streak as of late. Why have you been playing so well? Or, hey, Zach Warinsky, you were out of the lineup for two or three games with an injury. Now you're back in the lineup. Uh, what's it like to be coming back into the lineup? How, how much are you looking forward to that? Or with Seth Jones being out as he was at the end of the season, um, you know, what, how is it adjusting to a new partner or something like that? So we kind of get our storylines established for the day. Uh, I'm in there, Jody Shelley's in there, Jeff Rimmer's in there, our producers for our pregame show and for our game telecast are both in there, and we all work together to develop storylines for whatever that night's game may be. It could be a Metropolitan Division game, it could be a game against a, a superstar in the league like a Connor McDavid or something like that, and we try to develop those storylines so that when we go on the air with our pregame show at 6.30, and with the game at 7 o'clock, we have a really good idea of the way everything is going to unfold from our perspective. And then we react to the way the game unfolds as well, obviously, and, and go from there. Awesome. And I know that you have a lot of behind-the-scenes looks as well. And what are some of the coolest opportunities or moments you've had over these 10 years so far as being a Blue Jackets uh, game ringside reporter? Well, that's a really good question. There are a lot of things that happen behind the scenes that you don't ordinarily get to see uh, as the players come out uh, for pregame or in between periods. There's a lot of rituals that go on. Uh, the other thing that I get to see, and sometimes it's a good thing and sometimes it's not, is when a player has been injured in a game or when a player's getting in a, got in a fight and has a five-minute penalty or a 10-minute misconduct or a game misconduct, and they come back down the tunnel, and a lot of times you see emotion when they get back down the tunnel, you see emotion that the people at home or the people out in the arena don't get to see. Um, when Oliver Bjorkstrand went into the boards and broke his ankle uh, late in the season, uh, he came back down the tunnel and was very, very upset and very emotional because he knew what had happened. He knew that he had had a serious injury of his ankle 
and he was probably going to be out for some time. Uh, when a player gets in a fight, sometimes it's sometimes it's funny. I mean, sometimes it's like, well, I showed that guy or whatever. You know, they'll they'll, have, they'll be a little comment, and sometimes that's really good. But frankly, one of my favorite stories, uh, Zachary, and I don't think I've ever told this story before on any kind of show or anything, so I'll share it with you. Uh, two years ago, uh, Wayne Gretzky and the Edmonton Oilers were at Nationwide Arena, and Wayne Gretzky, obviously the the biggest superstar of all time in the National Hockey League, the leading goal scorer of all time in the National Hockey League, and really, you know, everything to the game of hockey, right? So he's walking around back between the, the Blue Jackets dressing room and the Oilers dressing room, and um, just about the time the game is going to end, he is walking out, and he comes by uh, myself, and there's a couple other people who sit out by the Blue Jackets dressing room, and he shakes our hands, and he says, uh, Hey, thanks. It's been great being here. Thanks for being here. And I'm like, wow, that was great. That was Wayne Gretzky. Yeah. Well, well, not he, he walked. His wife was with him, and he's walking down the hallway. And there's a equipment guy from the Oilers who comes out of the Oilers dressing room, and he's got a pair of socks in his hand, <laughs> and he's he's yelling down the hall. He's like, Hey, Wayne. Hey, Wayne. Are these your socks? Are these yours? Are these your socks? And I'm like, There's no way this is happening right here. <laughs> And uh, Wayne's wife goes back and she goes, give them to me, give them to me. And she sniffs the socks and she goes, oh, God, yes, these are his. Come on, Wayne, let's go. I couldn't believe what I just saw. But it was, uh, it was one of the funniest things that ever happened behind the scenes at a Blue Jackets game of all is, time. It was really funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. And uh, we, it's, it's funny because you don't think that usually – so you don't get to watch the games really. You're, you're not – like looking at the ice, you're more inside at the dressing room. It, uh, it depends upon the time of the game. Usually uh, after I bring the game telecast on the air at the top of the hour, I'll go either to the Zamboni tunnel or to another location where I can easily see the game and see the ice because I want to see it live. I want to see it happen in front of me. I want to get a feel for the speed of the game and how well the goaltenders are playing and if there's any chippiness that's starting to develop, I want to go out and see that with my own eyes rather than just watch on TV. So usually the first period and for the first 10 or 12 minutes of the uh, second period, I find a spot where I can go watch the game live. Um, and also there are some visiting arenas um, in Pittsburgh, in Carolina, in New Jersey. Uh, there are some, some others that have a spot for me right there by the ice so I can see the game happen live all the time. Uh, and that's my preference. Uh, but I do have to be back in the tunnels um, for the interviews in the intermission. And also, if there's an injury, it's pretty important for me to be back near the Blue Jackets dressing room to see if a player has come off the ice, or more importantly, if a player has left the ice, to see when he may be coming back. Let's say a player gets a, a puck or a stick to the face, it's going to go back and get stitched up and come back to the ice, or a player takes a, you know, a puck off the inside of a knee or something like that. And he goes back in the locker room, gets it looked at, maybe gets an x-ray or whatever. And he goes back to the ice. Or if there's a, some sort of contact with the head, the player has to go back to concussion protocol. And if those players come back to the ice, it's really important for our producer and Jeff and Jody as well to know when those players are coming back. So uh, a lot of times you don't ever hear me say anything about that, but it's uh -huh. a pretty vital part of what I do to be the first guy to tell the people in the production truck, hey, uh, Cam Atkinson is coming back or David Savard is coming back or whatever the case may be. Yeah, and uh, 
obviously you do a lot of interviews and you do a lot of Coach Tortorella interviews. Uh, there's got to be – you told me the story about Wayne Gretzky, but uh, what is maybe another funny or funny story, uh, a quick funny story that you may have? Well, with those player interviews, uh, there's, there's a lot of funny interaction that happens uh, over the course of your life. For example, a couple of years ago, when when uh, when Zach Warinsky was a rookie, okay, uh, for whatever reason, I would always confuse Warinsky with Wenberg. Oh. So sometimes Wenberg would come back, and I would accidentally call him Zach, or vice versa. And and Wenberg, once I did it the first time, Wenberg would be like, "Make sure you get my name right. Make sure you get my name right. Make sure you get <laughs> just little, you know, little chirps like that are always fun." Uh, Torch is so entertaining. And, and so engaging at times when you don't think he's going to be engaging. Yeah. Uh, and, and he's just, he's a funny guy. Like he'll give it to you all the time. And there are times when uh, after the normal press conference is over, he'll joke with us and he'll, you know, take little jabs and, and whatnot back and forth. And it's, it's just a fun side of what we do. And it, it really is enjoyable. Um, one of the funniest things that ever happened actually on camera was when I, my first year doing the, uh, the rinkside reporting, I went out to the bench to interview Dan Hynote, who was an assistant coach at that time. And, um, I learned my lesson about eating popcorn. Let's just say that because I had been eating popcorn before the interview and you know how it is when you, you're just jamming popcorn in your face, right? So I went out there and I, I looked at Hynote and he goes, man, you got popcorn all over your face. And he took his bare <laughs> hand and he wiped his popcorn all over. And it was on camera? Uh, it was just before we got started. But oh, it was that's like, hilarious. I'm standing behind an NHL bench, getting ready to do an interview with a guy in the middle of a game, and he's wiping popcorn kernels <laughs> off my face. Oh, it was mid-game. Yeah, yeah, it was mid-game. Oh, wow. Yeah, so and I don't do that anymore. I don't eat popcorn on the bench anymore. Smart. And uh, we, I also uh, told the listeners about uh, your radio show on uh, 610 WTVN. Uh, what has been your favorite interview on that show? I had Gary Bettman on one time, which was great. Uh, we've had a lot of really fun uh, hockey interviews, for example, but uh, Jim Tressel has been on our show. Uh, we've had a lot of, uh, a lot of guys on uh, that have been really fun to, to talk with. And that's a little longer format, obviously, you know, so you yeah. have a little more, a little more freedom. It's kind of like this conversation we're having here, a little more freedom to cover a lot of different topics. Yeah. I mean, I, I thought maybe it was going to be me, but uh, Gary, <laughs> Bettman, Gary Bettman's a great man. So, you know, I'll take it. Uh, uh, but also, what's um, to cap it off, maybe uh, we've shared some good feel-good stories uh, before. Uh, but like I said, you're a feature reporter. Um, during uh, Blue Jackets games, sometimes you'll see some cool stories, especially – uh, for Hockey Fights Cancer Night and Hockey is for Everyone Night. Uh, what is probably the best feel-good story you've covered? Um, every year, the, uh, the Blue Jackets invite uh, usually between four and seven uh, heroes from Nationwide Children's Hospital down to the arena for a uh, special photo shoot. It's called Flashes of Hope. It happens every year. Um, they a lot of these kids are really sick and some of the kids have, have since passed away to be honest with you, but this is an opportunity and a day for them to be treated 
uh, with like the whole red carpet treatment at Nationwide Arena. They get to watch a practice. They get to meet players. They get to have their pictures taken with players and with Stinger, with their own family members. A lot of times, you know, they just don't have time to get a really nice family picture taken. And it's always a very moving day for me because some of these kids, like I said, Zachary, are, are really sick and, yeah. and, and really in rough, rough shape. So they understand the importance of that day to be with other kids, be with other kids like them. And also to have the Blue Jackets pay that kind of attention to them at a time when they probably are feeling pretty bad about their own situation. It's, it's always a really moving day. And it always reminds me how much the NHL, not just the Blue Jackets, but NHL players in general, how much of their time they are more than happy to give to people who, you know, might be going through a tough time. Um, mm-hmm. Stories like that are always really, really moving to me. And, and uh, I, I did one right before the shutdown where uh, Nick Polino met with a, a young guy from up here in the Worthington area who was going through a really tough time. And he was uh, asked to choose his superhero. Who would his superhero be if he could be a superhero for any one day? A lot of kids would pick Superman or Batman or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Captain America, Spider-Man. This little boy picked Nick Polino. And Nick uh-huh. Polino was seriously moved by it and really you know, they, those two people, even though Nick's 32 years old and this little boy was probably nine, uh, they really had a bond over that. It was really cool. Those, those are the types of things that, that for me are my favorite types of stories to cover. Yeah. And it's, uh, obviously it's sad what the, those kids have to go through and, uh, but it's good to hear that, um, the NHL and the Blue Jackets are helping out and trying to make them feel better and make their day. And, Obviously, uh, like I said earlier, you have a lot of behind the scenes, um, but when you're going on the road, uh, you travel with the team, and I mean, obviously, you're with uh, Jeff Rimmer and Jody Shelley, um, but have you become friends with the players, and uh, and who are you with all the time? Uh, because you do go on the Blue Jackets plane when you're traveling with them, correct? Right, we do. We fly with them, uh, and and really all of the players are great. Uh, I've, I've gotten to be pretty close with Cam Atkinson and his family. Uh, you know, his dad's about my age. I know his mm-hmm. mom and dad and his brothers, uh, and that's that's been very fun for me. Um, Dalton Prout is another guy, a former Blue Jacket, who I've gotten to be very good friends with his mom and dad. It's funny, uh, Zachary. I'm sure you can imagine. The players don't really want to hang out with guys like me. And frankly, I don't really want to hang out with them because they're all young <laughs> enough to be my kids, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but you do, you do uh, generate a, a tremendous amount of respect for them as, you know, world-class athletes. Nick Foligno already mentioned that. Every, every once in a while, I, I have to just stop and, and tell Nick how I really feel, which is, man, you do great things as a captain because I think yeah. he does tremendous things uh, for the hockey team, for the organization, and for the city of Columbus. And every once in a while, I, I just say, hey, Nick, uh, you know, you're, you're great at what you do. You do really wonderful things for the community. Uh, during this whole uh, corona situation, he, uh, he did one of these Zoom chat type things with a, uh, a nurse who had the virus. Yeah. And it was her birthday. And he called her up and wished her happy birthday. I thought that was tremendous. Uh, and there aren't a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of athletes who will take time to do that, but Nick Foligno always does. So that, for me, in terms of getting to know these guys, has been uh, one of the most gratifying parts of, of my job. Um, 
There have been players who have had an impact on me just by the way they conduct themselves. Mm-hmm. Again, we're not going out and uh, we're not going out and having beers after games because yeah. they don't want to be hanging out with me. Yeah. But I, I think the, the mutual respect is is always there, and it's uh, it's really been one of the real pleasures of this job for me. Yeah, and I agree with you uh, talking about uh, Cam Atkinson and Nick Foligno. I know that, like I said, I saw you last time when I was volunteering for the sled hockey team and uh, at the Blue Jackets game, and they all are there for the uh, handshake tunnel to handshake the players. And every time they make sure they get every single person's hand, uh, all the sled hockey players' hands, and that just shows you that even though not everyone gets to see uh, that, that it does happen, and it's nice to see. Um, But my final question for you, and it may be a difficult one uh, because you have a great job, but what is the favorite thing that you love about your job that you haven't mentioned yet today? Uh, well, I, I really enjoy the travel. Uh, and, and that is something that I've tried to stress to people, especially in Columbus, Ohio, people who love to travel with the Buckeye football team. Uh, really, I want them to learn how cool it is to travel with the Blue Jackets hockey team, to go mm-hmm. to some of the cities that they are, uh, they are lucky enough to go to. I, I, I'm very fortunate that just before this pause, uh, we were able to go to Western Canada, which is always my favorite trip, Calgary, Edmonton, and Vancouver. My wife was able to go along mm-hmm. to Calgary, and then the team went and had a practice in Banff, Alberta, which was phenomenal. So that's, that's to me, one of my favorite parts of it. And I try to get out in every city that I, that I go to with the jackets and enjoy every bit of it that I can. That's, that's a huge part of it. But just Ray Crawford used to do the pre and post game show with me. And we did it at a time when the blue jackets weren't very good, to be honest with you. Yeah. And, and Ray would always remind me, you know, Dave, there's only, there's because this was before Vegas came in. There's only 30 of us. There's only 30 of us who do what we do. And that always is something that's in the back of my mind. I'm really lucky to be a part of this fraternity of broadcasters for NHL teams because yeah. it's a unique situation. The life is, is it's not one that I ever could have even imagined in terms of the travel and the day-to-day contact and the ability to see things that ordinarily I wouldn't be able to see. So it's, it's pretty, much a, pretty much an awesome job, let me yeah. tell you that. And to, just a final to follow up on that, your favorite place that you've traveled to uh, out of all the cities, what's your favorite location that you go to every year? Hands down, Vancouver. Uh, I tell people all the time because a lot of people ask. Uh, Vancouver is by far my favorite city. Uh, you have mountains that you can look out at. You have a beautiful bay that you can look out at, a very cosmopolitan city. You're not very far from Whistler Ski Resort, which is spectacular. It's it's just an amazing place. and a unique place as well. Now that's not my favorite arena. My favorite arena is in Toronto. I love where the Maple Leafs play because yeah. there's just, it's, it's very similar to going to a football game at the horseshoe football fans. There are passionate. They pack in no matter whether the team is going to win a national title or whether they're going to be an average team. They love their hockey in Toronto. They know their hockey in Toronto. And there's just something magical about being in that environment. It really is neat. Yeah, and uh, because you do love to travel, uh, maybe we'll still see the Blue Jackets uh, head to Finland next year. But 
uh, obviously uh, that's still up in the air. But uh, Dave, thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, do you have anything else to add? No, just uh, I'm very impressed that you've got this podcast going. I think it's awesome. Any opportunities we have to talk hockey anywhere in central Ohio, whether it's Blue Jackets or Buckeye hockey or high school hockey, whatever it is, uh, I think it's great because this sport is really growing in Columbus, Ohio. Yeah, it is. Uh, thank you for coming on. All right. Thanks, Zachary. Thanks. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Dave Messel. Uh, it was great to have him on the show. And uh, we wish him uh, health and safety and thank him for coming on. Um, but now let's move on to some NHL signings. And first of all, uh, we got to talk about Elvis Merzlikens. Uh Dave and I talked about him and Jonas Corposalo in the goalie situation. Um, but Elvis Merzlikens did sign a contract like Jonas Corposalo did. However, it was an AAV of $4 million instead, so a little pay upgrade um, compared to Jonas Corposalo. It's another two-year contract. Elvis Merzlikens was drafted in 2014. He was drafted 76 overall in the third round, and he was drafted by the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, and he came from Latvia. Uh, he's a Latvian goaltender, but his uh, team was in Lugano, Switzerland. Uh, he lost eight straight at the start when he was playing for the Blue Jackets. Uh, but when Corpusalo uh, got injured, like I said last week, Merzlikens went on a tear. He had uh, five shutouts in eight games. He was fifth in save percentage in the NHL this year. His uh, He was also fifth in his uh, goals allowed average. Uh, and... It's a big upgrade. Uh, he obviously didn't have the greatest start to his rookie career, but he is a promising goaltender. His attitude, his his persona, he's a great player for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Uh, I mean, 33 games played. He won 13, lost 9, uh, in uh, 8 overtime losses. Um, but it, it's, in my opinion, he... Uh, he played a good season at, so far, um, and he got this pay grade uh, compared to Jonas Corposalo because how they do it is they use arbitration for the first year because both of the players, both Corposalo and Merzlikens, were up for arbitration this year, and they looked at the stats, and because Merzlikens has, like, he's fifth in this, and he's ranked among some of the best goaltenders and brought him into the Calder Cup uh, talk, um, his... His money brought him a little more uh, with the arbitration and with the UFA market value is the year after. Um, so that's how we got that. I mean, obviously the Blue Jackets, like I said with Dave, are maybe going to have to trade one um, because you also have Seattle coming in the expansion draft. Uh, uh, not this draft year, but next year, uh, if everything stays on schedule after COVID-19. Uh, so... Obviously, the Blue Jackets uh, wouldn't have to cover Merzlikens because of the rookie rules, uh, and his he's still in his first years in the NHL. Um, but still, I think that the Blue Jackets are going to have to trade one of them um, because, like Dave said, uh, you can't have two great starting caliber goaltenders on the roster sharing the net for the next two years. 
on the Blue Jackets. We'll have to do that. Um, as we'll see in the next signing uh, that we're about to talk about, some teams need goaltenders uh, next year. Uh, some aren't, and some also have what the Blue Jackets have, like the Pittsburgh Penguins, Tristan Jari, and Matt Murray. Um, but we'll move on to the next contract now. Is Yaroslav Halak, another goaltender. A lot of goalie signings recently. He's for the Boston Bruins, uh, and it is a one-year contract. His AAV of $2.25 million. His draft year was in 2003. He's 34 years old, drafted 271 overall, which is in uh, round nine. And he was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. Rask's contract, Tuka Rask of the Boston Bruins, his contract will also be up next year. So will Yaroslav Halak. Uh, they are both near the same age, and we could see them both be uh, retiring next year. Um, maybe Halak will stay for another year, but it looks like the goaltending uh, in Boston will be wide open after next season um, because Tuka Rask, he's 33 years old. Uh, he's been doing a lot of thinking. Uh, during the NHL's break uh, for the coronavirus, he had some interviews uh, with the Boston Globe, and he said that retiring is a is a possibility, and he has one year left, and he's hinting that he could retire. So the Boston Bruins are um, going to have to think about what they need to do. Uh, obviously, they have a great franchise. Uh, they were in the finals last year. Um, they were a cup contender this year. Um, but if they don't have a goaltender like Tuka Rask, uh, and Halak's a great backup, a good veteran backup. I don't know how good their team will be, and they need to find a good goaltender. And especially next year when they won't have any goaltenders anymore, it'll be the Seattle expansion draft. Uh, Yaroslav Halak, like I said, he's a decent, maybe great backup goaltender. I would say maybe so great. Uh, 31 games played, 18 wins, 6 losses, uh, and that's great. He's very he's a great backup, but also you have to take into account he's going behind a offensive powerhouse at the Boston Bruins. Um, but anyways, um, that's it with the NHL recent signings, and we'll see if we'll do a few next week. Uh, maybe we'll. I'm not sure yet. Um, but anyways, into other NHL news. Uh, like I said in our last podcast, uh, we were kind of expecting a decision on the NHL draft um, this week, um, but they kind of pushed that back a little bit, um, and they now said they weren't in a rush, And but last week they said they had to make a decision by the end of the week, um, but they have not made a decision on whether to have the draft in June or not. They haven't made a decision on the NHL season. Uh, and the American Hockey League, the NHL's farm league, has officially canceled their season after their Board of Governors meeting on Friday. The vote was unanimous, and the American Hockey League, the AHL, will plan to start next season, but they said there was no feasible way uh, for them to continue this season, um, and it was expected. Obviously, it's really sad uh, because all of these uh, players and Team coaches and team personnel aren't going to have a job uh, until next season, uh, which is hard, and they're not going to be able to have the playoffs as well. 
uh, for development, which stinks. Uh, but we now have to look forward to maybe some of the AHL players uh, will be able to be part of the NHL Stanley Cup playoffs and regular season if the NHL season does resume. In other news, the NHL postpones all international games for next season. That includes the Boston and Nashville Global Series, uh, and they were also going to have their training camps there and play uh, some local teams in the respective countries. And, of course, the Columbus Blue Jackets in Colorado. Uh, the interview with Dave Metzold uh, was recorded prior, actually one day after we found out um, that the NHL postponed the international games. Uh, so there was still hope when we talked about that, but obviously um, it will now be put on hold maybe for the year after. Um, but we'll see. The NHL says if on some chance um, the NHL season does start on time and everything is safe, then it may go back this year, but I doubt that's going to happen. And it was highly expected to happen. Um, so not much on that. And the final piece of news is not pleasant news uh, because Washington Capitals forward Brendan uh, Leipzig, uh was placed on unconditional waivers Friday with plans to terminate his contract because there were a lot of offensive comments on his Instagram direct messages uh, that were leaked. Uh, they were disgusting comments that I'm not going to repeat on here. Uh, there were against different um, NHL players, wives, um, really not great language, and also other inappropriate things um, that shouldn't be said or, or done. Um, there was a Florida Panthers prospect in there as well, and the Florida Panthers haven't responded. The NHL and the Washington Capitals said uh, that they were horrible and and that they should never be said or belong in the National Hockey League. Uh, and I quote the NHL said, there's no place in our league for such statements, attitudes, and behaviors, no matter the form. The Washington Capitals had to do this. I don't know if I could ever see uh, Brendan ever playing again. Um, because of the bad image and the things he said. Um, we'll see. Obviously, teams will do what they do. Um, but I personally don't think um, he won't be playing this season. He definitely won't be playing next season. Um, maybe in a few years, uh, things will settle down and he's changed. Uh, but I'm not sure. I don't think he will uh, be playing again. Um, but the Washington Capitals terminated his contract um, and he will not be playing hockey if the NHL season does resume this year or in the future um, as he is now a free agent. Anyway, uh, that is all we have with the NHL news and we will actually now start doing these at the end of the podcast uh, after the interviews. Thank you so much for listening to today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed that great interview with Fox Sports Ohio's Dave Metzold. And I hope you also enjoyed listening to the NHL recent signings and about some other NHL news. 
Um, of course, we're still awaiting the uh, draft June result. Uh, and maybe we'll hear about when the draft will be on this coming week. And we'll be able to talk about it on the podcast uh, next week. Anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening today. I want to let you know that we're having a lot of great feedback on these interviews and on our podcast. Uh, make sure you follow us everywhere, Facebook ins- and Instagram at Quarantine Hockey HQ and on Twitter, Hockey HQ Podcast. Um, also, if you want to listen to us on any platform, link tr.ee slash quarantine hockey hq we are now on apple podcast google podcast we're on everywhere um and if we're not on your listening platform yet please let me know uh you can contact us through social media or on anchor.fm slash quarantine hockey hq anyways thank you so much for listening Uh, My name is Zachary Rodier, and we'll see you on the next one. Thanks.